Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, what's up? Good morning, Grinders. It's Saturday, June 24th. We're back here with the Weekend Grind podcast here at Rotor Grinders. I'm Josh. Sir Jai, your buddy, your pal, back here. Travis, Mr. Chalkman Cohen, is going to be out for the weekend. But we have a very special guest with us today. We have Mr. Probably My Last Login, Rotor Grinders OG. We're going to refer to him as PML on the podcast. You can check out some of his work in Siege's Marketplace here on Rotor Grinders. Uh, one of the most knowledgeable guys I know in DFS. Uh, you know, all around great guy, too, to hang out with. We got to hang out uh, back in LA at uh, some of the FanDuel events. Lots of fun. Uh, how you doing today, PML? Um, doing doing pretty good. Is that a new intro song? That is, uh, yes, a new intro song. One that I, I made myself. You know, I pride myself on making the instrumentals for the beginning of the podcast. So thank you for noticing. Appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. The other one was good, but this one's pretty good, too. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So we we, uh, we have uh, two big slates today chopped up. We have two seven-game slates. We're going to be covering the later slate, the main slate, seven-game slate here at 7. 15 p.m. lineups are going to lock, so make sure you go ahead and uh, keep your eye on the clock. You know, Saturday, the day gets away sometimes, so it's good to focus on when the lineups are locking. Make sure you got everything in there. We're here to help you guys supplement your research, look for some good picks, have some fun, and, of course, we'll end it later on with our favorite stacks of the day. Um, you know, one thing, just like off first glance when I'm looking at the slate PML, uh it's been very offensive heavy lately. We've seen guys win tournaments with zeros from pitchers, with negatives from pitchers, and uh, it feels like this slate is kind of packed up with pitching. Um, you know, I, I'm just uh, I'm, I'm like excited because I you know being a former pitcher, I love like watching pitching duels like that. That game tonight with uh, Tanaka and uh, Darvish was, was just such a great game to watch. I'm a big Tanaka guy, big fan of him. I know that he hasn't been great this season, but it's good to see him step up and show some good stuff. But, yeah, we have a lot of good pitching on the slate, and uh, that's kind of a segue. But uh, before we hop into that, because we do start with the pitching, and we'll get there in, in just a minute, uh, give us both a follow on Twitter. You can follow me at RealJoshuaGiant is my handle. Uh, PML, I know that you got the weird spelling to your uh, to your Twitter handle, so uh, make sure I get this right. It's at PR. B L my last login M Y L A S T L O G I N is that correct? That's that's correct. I assume if you searched probably my last login, it would come up, but maybe not. So, yeah, P R B L and then my last login because a couple extra characters too many would be too many. <laughs> yeah, you never want to have too many characters. So, uh, so yeah, so go ahead and uh, give him a follow. Shoot us over any questions or comments you have throughout the day as the lineups come out. We love interacting with you guys and uh, love providing the content for you guys here at Rotor Grinders. So with that, we're going to hop into it. Let's hop into looking at these games. So 
so pitching, we're going to start at pitching. And, uh, you know, it just wouldn't feel right if we didn't start off with the big dog of the day here. You know, the guy that always sticks out anytime he takes the mound. That's Clayton Kershaw. He's pitching at home against the Colorado Rockies. They're away from cores. We know what happens. When they go away from cores, we see some dramatic drops uh, in their hitting uh, numbers here. And, uh, you know, against lefties, you also see some, uh, some some dramatic drops, too, in ISO. I mean, ISO against righties is 270. Against lefties, drops down to 170. 100-point drop in their ISO. Also in WOBA, uh, 318 against lefties, uh, you know, as opposed to that 415 against righties. They have a lot of left-handed bats in the lineup that could do some damage. So uh, we got a, we have an interesting an interesting thing here to look at. 20% strikeout rate against lefties. But, you know, this is Clayton Kershaw. He's priced up, but, you know, he's not he's not particularly, like, you know, that much more expensive than the other uh, top pitchers on the slate. So uh, what do you think about Kershaw here, PML, uh, in, in this spot? Is it kind of one of those, you know, you just you, you put Kershaw in, don't overthink it, and, and work around him? Or you think that uh, you're going to have to give some consideration in cash games to other plays here? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I think uh, it might be going overlooked. I know some people have been obviously aware that, Hey, doesn't it seem like Kershaw's not doing Kershaw stuff lately? Uh, and it's true. Kershaw has not been doing all the Kershaw stuff lately. Gave up four home runs last game, which I'm pretty sure is the worst thing that's ever happened to him as a pitcher since he's came into the league. Um, the one thing, though, that I think people probably haven't noticed is he has been kind of dramatically reversed splits this season. Reverse splits, meaning he's been much worse against lefties because for whatever reason, his slider is is just not working against lefties and the very minorly used two-seam two fastball uh, also not working against lefties. So I, I don't know. There won't be too many lefties in this lineup, and if anything, they might actually set a guy like uh, Cargo again thinking, oh, we got to get these left. we got to get these lefties out of the lineup against Kershaw. So you think that that's going to work like to their disadvantage if they roll out uh, a right-handed like heavy lineup here because because of those splits this season? Correct. And I think a very interesting thing is FanDuel does the Kershaw pricing, uh, meaning they dramatically drop everybody's price when they're facing Kershaw. And if you look um, this season, Charlie Blackman is hitting... Ridiculous numbers has a has a 400 woba, 260 ISO against lefty sliders on a very small sample, and again probably dramatically uh, helped by by the cores effect. Even though sliders are are still very effective in cores, but uh, at 2.7 K, Charlie Blackman on Fanduel, oh. I'm gonna play some. Yeah, that's super cheap, man. That's like half the price yeah. that he's been this whole season. <laughs> My God, he's under 3K. Yeah, I mean, if you stacked against Gershaw last game in a couple of different varieties, you did well. I'm not going to recommend a stack, but uh, I think you can play Gershaw because they they will roll out tons of varieties, and he's been still you know very phenomenal against uh, right-handers. Uh, and he can still strike out lefties, but for whatever reason, that slider's getting hung up a little bit occasionally. Uh, and throughout the season, like I've, I've done full season, I've done very recently, I did just this month. And he's still uh, getting hit hard occasionally on uh, uh, lefties against that slider. So I like Kershaw. And on FanDuel, where they've dramatically priced these guys down, I don't mind taking some shots. All right. Uh, I like a Charlie Blackman. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but, you know, with that, we could segue over to, you know, a, another expensive pivot. Now, you, you see the price difference on FanDuel. Um, you got more of a significant drop there. It goes Kershaw for 12.3, and then I'm talking about Robbie Ray right now, who drops down to 10.1. On DraftKings, uh, you know, it's it's only a 200 difference in cap. So, like, you know, it makes the, the decision a little bit tougher, I think. But on FanDuel, you know, for that for that price difference there, you're getting, you know, over 2K in cap savings. And, you know, Robbie Ray this season has just been absolutely phenomenal at racking up strikeouts. Uh, 29.7% strikeout rate against righties, 41.7 versus lefties. And, you know, he's going against this Phillies team that, yeah, they, they did well last night. But, you know, it, uh, it it happened later in the game. They did it against the bullpen. You know, it did some damage against the bullpen. It was against Patrick Corbin, as we were expecting it to be, uh, which kind of saved me. I had a lot of those uh, Phillies uh, righties in my lineup. But, uh, you know, when you look at their numbers here against lefties, their strikeout rate jumps up. It's only 16.7%, you know, their strikeout rate against righties. But against lefties, they're striking out at 25%. Uh, rate right now the season which is super high you know 25 percent strikeout rate that's something that's going to jump off the page so they're a, a team that strikeouts a lot you know strike strikes out a lot against lefties going against a pitcher that you know has one of the highest strikeout rates in the league an elite strikeout rate you know it, it it'd be uh it'd be foolish to not to not look about this with a uh, serious consideration now the only downside that i'm really seeing here is uh the fact that uh, their Woba against lefties is pretty decent at 3.34, and this game is you know played in Coors Light, you know at Chase Field in Arizona. So uh, that you know that that ballpark shift, uh, you know, you know people have a hard time playing pitchers in Arizona, just like they have a hard time playing pitchers in, in Coors or in Texas or in SunTrust now. So uh, you know I don't know if that ballpark uh, if that ballpark factor here is enough to keep me away from Ray, but it just it feels like a spot where where he could really rack up a lot of strikeouts. Uh, what are you thinking about right here, PML? Yeah, so uh, I think people would probably be surprised to know that he, uh, Robbie Ray this season, has been uh, better than Kershaw in pretty much every important statistic. You know, the hard contact allowed, the swinging strike to lefties and righties has been better than Kershaw. The, um, uh, the Wobo allowed, all that stuff, ISO, X Wobo, you know, all the predictive stuff. All of it's been much, much better than Kershaw. Um, so if you're willing to pay for Kershaw against the Rockies, you know, on the road, Rocky roads, um, you got to think that it'd be okay against the Phillies. Now I will point out that, uh, kind of like you said, Chase, uh, is a little bit of a harder environment and that's kind of reflected in his numbers. If you look on the road this season, Robbie Ray has a 1.3 ERA, um, against right-handed hitting which uh, is obviously the worst part of the split. He's a phenomenal against lefties pretty much anywhere. But away on the road versus righties, 1.3 ERA, 223 Woba allowed. At home this season, 4.6 ERA with the 360 Woba allowed. But he still has a very, very elite, probably, I haven't looked it up, but probably top 10, 30% strikeout rate against righties. Uh, at home and then against lefties, thirty-eight percent. So those are incredible numbers. Yeah, I think you got to take a shot at him. If for some reason we hear that the roof's going to be open and it's going to be a hundred degrees and Chris Herman's going to be catching him over Mathis or Ionetta who caught today, 
then maybe I'll reduce my exposure a teeny amount and, and, and play some Phillies. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I'm definitely very interested. Probably uh, as much, if not a little bit more than Kershaw, just because maybe there's potential for maybe slightly less ownership or just more flexibility in, in creating uh, a lineup. Yeah, you know, and it has been super hot. You mentioned the weather. It's been super hot in Arizona. Uh, yesterday I saw a bunch of pictures trending where people were, like, baking cookies in their car and they, like, were frying eggs, like, outside on their, you know, in their uh, driveway. Like, it was, it was super hot. So, like, you know, if that roof for some reason is opened up, man, those balls are going to fly. So that's something to keep an eye on. Also, the run total is, is quite concerning, too. just want to point that out. Vegas has the run total for Kershaw's game at 7. Rockies uh, implied run total 2.64, lowest on the slate. You know, this Diamondbacks game, uh, you know, for Robbie Ray, the over-under is set at 9.5. You know, it's, it's a very – Vegas, like, you know, believes that there's going to be almost a three-run difference in these games. So, you know, that makes a, that makes a, a significant impact on, um, you know, on for fantasy purposes. If, if, you know, Ray can rack up a bunch of strikeouts, it might not hurt him to give up a few runs. But, you know, if this game gets out of control, then, you know, it's, it's just not worth that price tag then. So – uh, you know, it's definitely a difficult decision here. I think in tournaments, I'm going to lean towards Ray. It makes a lot more sense on a site like FanDuel where he's uh, significantly cheaper than Kershaw rather than like DraftKings where it's only 200 difference in cap. So, um, but I do like the pivot in tournaments for sure. Uh, with that, let's move on over to the Mets. Uh, we got Jacob DeGrom throwing today, man. This this slate is just packed. And this looks like, you know, is looking to be like a pitcher's duel here in San Francisco. We got DeGrom and Cueto going against each other. Uh, I guess we, you know, since they're in the same game here, we could kind of just talk about the two uh, back to back here. So now DeGrom, you know, a guy that we always want to keep an eye on, uh, you know, anytime that he's on the mound, he, he's bounced back. You know, he went through some bad luck, you know, some bad strings luck. That Babbitt was uh, really out of control those few games that, you know, he, he kind of uh, sunk off the deep end, it looked like. But uh, got back on track, you know, and uh, this this matchup against the Giants, well, it's really not. Uh, anything to be concerned about. We're not really afraid of these Giants bats so much. Um, the thing to look at is, you know, we want to look for strikeouts, right? And and these Giants are just not striking out this season a whole lot. Uh, while they're not crushing the ball, you know, they're not. we're not really worried about uh, their power. You know, for instance, like their ISO against Rays this season is uh, low at 1-2-3. But the strikeout rate's only at 15.7%. So, you know, that's something to look at. That's a very, very low strikeout rate. That's a, that's, I'd say for a team, that's a pretty elite strikeout rate, 15.7%. They're not striking out much. But this is DeGrom, you know, and he's got 31.2% strikeout rate against righties, 237 against lefties this season. So, uh, you know, we just know he's a strikeout upside pitcher, and he's in a pitcher's park. So that's something to consider here. But uh, I'm just not sure if uh, the the absolute upside is there for this price tag against a Giants team that just doesn't strike out a whole lot. And on the flip side, Cueto just hasn't really looked like the Cueto that we know. Um, his price tag on FanDuel is at 9.1. Really not, you know, not going to have any interest over there on that site. But on DraftKings, you know, at 8.6, uh, you might want to look at Cueto in tournaments as like a, a, you know, SP2. But like, I'm just not really like too, too interested in, in Cueto here. And uh, not that crazy interested in DeGrom either, uh, you know, at 11.4 on DraftKings and on FanDuel at 10.3. So it's just, like, I'd rather go Ray on FanDuel where he's cheaper than DeGrom. Uh, so how do we feel about DeGrom and Cueto here, PMO? Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with you on DeGrom. He's, he's been a little erratic uh, from time to time, and this team doesn't strike out all that much. 
was kind of alarming. DeGrom said the quote from DeGrom was something along the lines of, uh, I don't know where the ball is going, you know, <laughs> when I, after I throw it or, or something to that effect uh, a couple starts ago. And I was like, uh, I'm not really comfortable with that. <laughs> like what? That was like me at Fenway on my first pitch, man. Ball just sailed out, you know, uh, but you yeah. know, as a former pitcher, like, um, like I understand that, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's anything to be too, too alarmed about. Cause sometimes you just, you know, pitching is very mental and that's the thing. And like when you switch your mechanics up and you're trying to make adjustments, uh, sometimes you go through, uh, little ruts like that where you're just trying to, you know, stay within yourself and, and hit your spots. But, uh, but yeah, definitely you don't want to hear that from a guy that you're going to be rostering, uh, putting money into entries, you know? Now, now, <laughs> that, that was a couple starts ago, though. Yeah. Um, he got shelled in, in Texas, which was kind of expected. And then after that, has pretty much uh, about come as close as uh, one could to throwing back-to-back uh, complete games. He's, he's pitched uh, uh, eight innings last game, six strikeouts, and the game before that, uh, nine innings. Six strikeouts. So I think if there is value there, it's going to be value in uh, the him going deep. Right, going we're going distance, to need him to go. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, we're going to need him to go like eight innings. Well, one thing about that was, uh, you know, his just his his walk numbers are really low, and he was very efficient um, with you know pitches per at bat and all that. So like he was just hitting his spots really well, which I think is important. Um, but yeah, the strike you, see, you know the strikeout upside wasn't anything to write home about. So that's definitely something to be keep an eye on here with him. Yeah, it would probably a little bit of help if uh, Rene Rivera catches him. Travis Darno typically has had issues throwing guys out, so it's just a little bit, a little bit of help um, because if Degrom lets a guy on and then he can just walk over to a scoring position, that's just not going to help. So little, little bit of boost there. As for Cueto, um, yeah, he has been an absolute gas can on the road. He has always been a guy that didn't have necessarily like a ton of strikeout stuff. Like he had the capability. I think it, uh, if he wanted to be a strikeout pitcher with his nasty wiggle and his insane changeup, you know, one of the best change up in the league for, for a couple years probably. Um, but what's happened is that change up, despite getting one of the highest swinging strikes, you know, in the league by far on the, ch- on a change up on to both hands, uh, he's it's getting hit. It's getting hit a lot. Now the thing is, in that stadium, you know, at AT and T, it's not as big of a deal because a lot of those turn into flyouts. So if you look at his home numbers, you know, he's under a home run per nine innings, but on the road, you know, it shoots up a lot, and he's giving up more contact again because that changeup, uh, it is still a nasty changeup. So uh, naturally, it's going to do a little bit better and have better results against lefties. And a lot of the, the dangerous bats in this lineup, you know, are going to be the lefties. So uh, if, you're, if you're really looking for an interesting, not punt, but an interesting play with upside that's going to be low-owned, if he's in the lineup, I think Cespedes could be kind of interesting. Otherwise, it's probably a stay away from the Mets offense, and then I, I would probably still consider Cueto on DraftKings, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's eight point six on DraftKings. I think as a, you know, for like your second pitcher slot in tournaments, I think it makes sense at that price. Um, I will say that he is at the highest strikeout upside that he has been in his entire career. Both, uh, I believe, to lefties and righties, he has the highest swinging strike of his career right now. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, what's interesting so. is, like, we talked about DeGrom, the value in him going deep in the game. I feel like that's something that Cueto has kind of been – he's been that guy over the years, you know, the guy that will give you the complete games, you know. So um, it's just in, – in, in this kind of matchup, it's just tough to see him. That Mets offense against righties – I know it's Cueto, but, like, the Mets offense against righties has just been absolutely smashing this season. So uh, it, for me, it just feels like overall, like, you know um, – like, if I make, like, 10 DraftKings laps, I'll probably have, like, two shares of Cueto in there, you know, maybe, like, 20%. But, like, um, my thing with Cueto here is just it feels like just, like, a stay-away spot for the Mets offense and a stay-away spot for Cueto. Like, that's probably just the approach I'm going to take in most of my lineup building. Like, my roster construction has just been kind of staying away from this game for the most part. Uh, maybe that's a mistake. Maybe as I dig deeper, I'll change my mind. But right now, that's that's about where I'm at. Uh, let's look at more pitchers here. Um you know, we're dropping down tiers here. We've got uh, Garrett Cole um, going against the Cardinals. Uh, you know, last game looked great. Uh, game before that threw well. And uh, coming out of that slump that he was in, you know, there's a while there. It's a good rut. I mean, these are – he threw his first quality start since uh, he went – let's see. He went from May 22nd to uh, June 13th without a quality start. So, I mean – you know, he, he had a few few bad ones in there. People started kind of losing faith in him. And now he's bouncing back a little bit. You know, he, he threw a good game against Colorado. Then he threw a game, good game in Milwaukee, you know, in a, in a very hitters-friendly environment. Threw a good game against Milwaukee. Uh, Seven-inning pitch, struck out five, and uh, only gave him one run. Uh, and threw 103 pitches, which is good, too. You know, they're letting him, letting him stretch the arm out. It's back-to-back games now where he's gone at least 100 pitches. So uh, that's definitely something to, to, to you know, keep an eye on and something that looks good you know you want a guy that they're gonna you know keep a long leash on when he's out there you know not too not too particularly thrilled with the matchup uh you know and then of course there's always gonna be risk involved when it's Garrett Cole because you don't really know what Garrett Cole you're gonna get but it looks like he's kind of back on track here a little bit so uh one thing that you know for me that that just kind of like keeps me uh a little far away from him here is just like his strikeout rates under 20 percent to both sides of the plate this season uh, but he has been, you know, getting a lot of ground balls. He's been very efficient. Um, and also another another thing is that, you know, these Cardinals just don't strike out a, lot, a whole lot to, to, to righties. You know, striking around 19% this season. So another thing, you know, that you want to uh, keep an eye on there for that uh, when you're doing your research here on Cole is just, you know, so the strikeouts are, are below average. He's going against a team that doesn't strike out much. So the strikeout upside just doesn't seem to be there in this matchup. But, uh but I see. I feel like some people are going to have interest. Like I always feel like Cole has more, more, you know, a higher ownership than he should. Um, I feel like you know I was on Cole last time he threw and it worked out. But this is probably the time to get off the Cole train for a little bit. How do, how do you feel about Garrett Cole here? Did you just say get off the Cole train? It's time to get off the Cole train, man. Stop burning that coal. <laughs> the coal train. Coal train. Coal train. Everybody. Uh, yeah. So uh, Garrett Cole, right? Uh, normal normal splitted guy uh meaning better against righties worse against lefties but it's it's becoming a little bit more pronounced maybe than it used to be uh he's been kind of up and down in prior years dealing with health and all that stuff and he self-admittedly doesn't quite know what's going on uh still um but the thing is yeah he's he's very he's been very good against righties indisputably it doesn't matter if he's on the road or at home He's been very good. Not necessarily elite, but very good. Um, I think the strikeout percentage will increase just a little bit because he, he is a touch over 10% swinging strike 
uh, to righties. So he should be sitting at like a 23, 24-ish percent uh, K rate to righties kind of moving forward. And, you know, that's like that's like kind of the line of demarcation for DFS-able, <laughs> you know, against, uh, against some batters. You want a, a guy that can strike out 23, 24, 25% usually is, is where I'm looking for uh, as a minimum. And the thing is this uh, Cardinals offense has been kind of putrid fr- from time to time. If the weather isn't like really, really hot with, you know, tons of humidity and stuff like that, uh, they've been, you know, pretty anemic. And looking at the weather and stuff, it's not going to be that humid. The wind's not blowing out. It's not going to be that hot. And there is very likely only going to be, you know, at most two lefties in this lineup with uh, Colton Wong on the DL with uh, Paul DeJong taking his place and Fowler kind of in and out was supposed to maybe play today, but then he got yanked again. So it's possible that, you know, he won't be in there tomorrow. And if if you're telling me that I'm going to get a predominantly right-handed lineup against Garrett Cole, like I'm going to take a shot, I think. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, by the way, when Molina and Fowler got scratched, you know, I, I kind of looked at Talion a little bit more today, and, and that worked out pretty well. Um, you know, Seth, Seth Yates uh, was uh, over there on Twitter giving me some uh, <laughs> some crap about it, but it ended up working out. So so uh, if you're listening, haha, I got you. But anyway. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and not to – so, you know, a lot of times people look at BVP to help them pick out a play. But what I like to do is – try and figure out who the plays would be, right? So we know Garrett Cole has not been very good against left-handers, right? So we're looking at Carpenter and Dexter Fowler. And, you know, surprise, surprise, you pull up in the old BVP machine and both of them, you know, are batting over 300 against him, both of them with with multiple home runs, uh, you know, multiple extra bases. So, you know, nice to see that sometimes the process can kind of meet the past results as opposed to trying to work the other way. That's true. That's a good thing to keep an eye on. BVP is BVP is significant, you know, uh, when you get a good sample size out of it, for sure. Um, let's move on to, let's look at McCullers here, because this is a guy that, like, I love watching pitch in real life. Like, the, the kid's just, you know, incredible. And, you know, he's coming off the DL. He's going to be throwing again, so it's going to be nice to see him out there. But, you know, he's not, he's, he's still priced, you know, pretty high. Like, he's 10-8 on DraftKings. And over on FanDuel, he is 9.6. So you're not getting him at any kind of discount coming off the DL here. Uh, so that's something that, you know, like, like for instance, like Felix was like 5.9 today on DraftKings, just like dirt cheap. You know, like when guys come off the DL, sometimes you get them cheap. Um, this isn't a spot where we're going to get uh, McCullers for cheap. He's going against the Seattle team. Now, one thing about McCullers that, uh, that really sticks out to me more than anything else is just his ability to get ground balls. You know, 68.5% this season against right-handed ground balls is just incredible. As opposed, And his fly ball numbers are just super elite, man. Like 16.2% to righties, 12% to lefties. He just limits those fly balls. Walk rates are good. Uh, strikeout rates pushing 30% on both sides of the plate. Uh, and he's going against this uh, this Seattle team that, you know, strikes out uh, their strikeout rate against righties is 25.3%. Like, it's it's very high, you know. Uh, this is a spot where, like, I would normally, like, if this was, like, McCullers healthy, not coming off the DL, I think that uh, you can make a strong case as uh, pivoting to him over a guy like Kershaw or over Ray and just going to McCullers here. But, 
you know, I'm just kind of I'm kind of uh, hesitant with him coming off the DL. I didn't see anything about him being on any kind of pitch count, but like I don't know if they're going to put him on a long leash coming off the DL here. And he is also in a, in a great pitcher's park here in Seattle, so that he gets a park boost too, a nice park shift for him. So there's a lot of things working in McCullough's favor, except for the fact that he's coming off the DL, you know. So uh, and his price tag still being pretty high. So I, I don't know how I'm going to handle this situation yet, but uh, but what's your insight here, at PML? How are you feeling about McCullers? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty pretty good about uh, Lance McCullers. He, uh, in previous seasons, had a very dramatic home road split where he kind of lost his command on the road. Walk rate would go through the roof, uh, and he would get in uh, lots of problematic jams that would, you know, cut his inning shorts to the, to the point where, you know, whether it was true, whether it was fake news, at a certain point, I just had to say, like, I'm just not playing him on the road. Now, that's uh, pretty much completely gone away. He, he has been, you know, a touch worse on the road. But the walks don't change all that much. The strikeout rate is still pretty good. Um, the home run rate is actually larger at home this season. And he's going into a big park in Seattle that uh, you know makes me feel a little bit less concerned about where those fly balls are going to go. So um, as far as the DL thing, this is a kid that for years now, last year, maybe the year before that, and then coming into this season – they explicitly said that they were going to manage not his pitch count, but his innings. Uh, they wanted to find ways to uh, keep his workload low over the year, but still let him kind of pitch normally. Um, so I don't doubt that he had, what was it, neck neck or back tightness or something like that. Um, but I do wonder if just to get him on that new 10-day uh, DL, I think they had him on the 10-day, um, it could have just been one of the tools that they are using to manage his uh, innings, right? So I don't know necessarily how much he actually was hurt. Like, I bet if you check, like, he may be through, like, a bullpen session, but they didn't necessarily need him to do, like, you know, a full simulated game or necessarily anything like that or, or multiple sessions to, that would allude to you know, an actual injury that he needed to work through to make sure that he was fully recovered as opposed to just, you know, get out there and throw a little bit to make sure you're good to go because uh, you haven't pitched in a while. So, you know, something we'll maybe have to come back to and do, do some independent research on that. Uh, and, and you know, there's always sound bites and stuff leading up to the game. Manager says, you know, at a little press conference before the game, like, ah, yeah, he's a good kid. He's fine. He'll, nah, we don't – he's no pitch count. He, he's good. It was just – just a little neck thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, he uh, he said he felt well after throwing. He said he felt normal after throwing his bullpen sessions, so that was good. He threw a couple of them. Uh, they weren't simulated games or anything like that. They were just like, you know, um, just uh, yeah. and, you know, and, straight bullpen sessions. So that's good to, to see. Um, you know, it's a good point. Maybe it, maybe it was just something to get, you know, the kids some rest. Uh, yeah, I think you ha- – I mean, you have to – give him label him with an injury to, to get him on the 10 day, 10 day DL. Right. And it frees freeze open a roster spot. So if they knew that they're managing his innings uh, and they need, they want that roster spot. They're not just going to keep him on to watch, to watch the games. So why not use this new nifty 10, 10 day DL. That's all flexible and just, uh, you know, he's, 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 uh, Ooh, his, you know, his lat hurts or something, but he probably did. I mean, he probably did have something minor though. 
Yeah. Cautious. Yeah, I, I mean, it makes it makes sense. Uh, you know, they're, just, they're babying pitchers nowadays in this baseball era. So, um, yeah, maybe it's just something like that. If it's something like that, if that's what it, you know, just keep. I'm gonna keep an eye on the news. If everything looks right, I'll definitely have a lot of shares in my colors, man. He just he's just in such a good spot. Um, I wouldn't want to miss out on him having a big game here uh, against Seattle. Uh, let's move on to David Price now. Like here, <laughs> you know, he's 9.2k on Fanduel. Like, that's like an absolute stay away here, I think. And like, but on like DraftKings is almost begging you to play him at 7.7. He's just so cheap. But Yo, but he's I, okay. So yeah. let, let me. Sorry, I don't mean to, I didn't mean to cut in. Mm-hmm. So I watched that whole start uh, against uh, the Astros. Dude has a. Uh, Open wound on his ring finger uh, that you could see on the broadcast when they were zooming in. And he could not. So for those of you who don't know, new to baseball or fantasy or deeper and whatever you want to call it. Um, David Price is a fastball pitcher. He has a full repertoire. He can throw, you know, uh, I think a cutter, a curve change. Like he has pretty much every pitch, but none of them are mean much, right? They're just too keep the batter's eyes off of his fastball, which is his real, you know, mainstay. He throws, he still throws very hard. He can touch, you know, 94, 95 for a guy that's been pitching for a while. That's, that's great. Well, not to cut um, you off, but, he, but I mean, he throws 57% fastballs and, you know, along with 21% cutters, um, you know, the league average for fastballs is 50%. He's at 57 and then cutters uh, is 21%. The league average is 5%. So, you know, you add those together because his cutter is just a variance of his fastball, you know. So right. you put that together, and that's, like, pretty much the, the only pitch he's throwing outside yeah, of his yeah, changeup. Just... You know, it's like fastball, changeup, curveball, like, but mostly fastballs. Uh, you know, you add those together, what do you get? You get uh, 78% uh, fastballs, you know. So that's it's a lot of yeah. fastballs to be throwing, and you have a cut on your he, finger. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah, he couldn't locate a single one. I, it's shocking that he actually, if you watch, if you watch that Boston Astros game, like the fact that he made it as far as he did was like shocking. And then they, they brought him back out for another inning at like after like 95 pitches and immediately gave up a home run to Jake Marisnik, like second pitch. And then they pulled him. So yeah, through 107 pitches in five um, innings, man, like that's, that's a lot of pitches. Still yeah. in five innings. Um, yeah. Barely know. got any swings and misses. So if he, you know, if that's not healed, you know he's going to be going against a team that, unless uh, unless you're freaking Houdini today or yesterday, and uh, you get all these strikeouts like, against a team that doesn't strike out, uh, then I just don't I don't see it happening for him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, you well, I, I think that you know when Trout left the Angels, it was fun to pick on them for a little bit of pitchers, and then we all, I think it was uh, Brad Peacock Chalk Day against the Angels, when we all realized, uh, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe this isn't the best idea, you know, maybe don't just throw anybody out there. I mean, Peacock is great. I'm not taking any away from that guy, but like, you know, it, it just, he was coming out of like, you know, being a relief pitcher and trying to stretch himself out. We were like, oh, who cares? It's the Angels. Just throw anyone against them, right? But uh, Travis liked to point out, and all my co-hosts on the show, uh, he, you know, he pointed out, he goes, listen, they, they just don't strike out a ton, and people don't really frustrate him. He's like, people don't realize how little the Angels actually strike out, and he's right. Um, you know, they only have a 17% strikeout rate, you know, and 16.9% against lefties. They just they don't strike out. And here's something for you that uh, sticks out to me, jumps off the page. They have been hitting the ball well. Like, you know, you can't take – they've been scoring a lot of runs, the Angels. Against righties, their ISO is 
is like it's 86. It's under 100. It's .086. <laughs> it's a joke, like you know. And they're well, but 282. Like they're just they, they're their overall stats against righties are just garbage, right? And they, you know, even though the strikeouts are, are not high, like you know, they just there's no power in the lineup. They have to string together like 19 hits to score a run. But anyway. Um, Against lefties, man, their their ISO jumps up to two thirty. That's a huge jump, and their WOBA jumps up to three thirteen. You know, so uh, that's something that's something that jumps off the page to me here. Is this, this is a team that just absolutely that they they crush lefties, man. That two thirty ISO against lefties is big. That's a big ISO to have as a team against lefties. You know, and going against a lefty here, like you said, who's just like struggling to kind of like figure himself out again and, and to, to get back here to where he used to be is just. I don't know if I want to, you know, if I want to take that kind of risk here. I don't, and I don't even know if the upside's there. And one more thing to point out against Price here, you know, you know, since he's returned this season, he's he's forty three point five percent fly balls to righties. He's just giving up a ton of fly balls to righties here, and that's uh, you know, if if this is a team that crushes lefties well, if their right handed bats do so well against lefties, and you know, you got a pitcher that's giving up a lot of fly balls to righties, that's a bad combination here. And the ten point six percent walk rate, like you said, you just having trouble locating. So, you know, you put guys on for free, you get yourself in the jams, you give up some earned runs, you know, and next thing you know, you threw one hundred and seven pitches in five innings, and you know, and you, and you're out of the game. And now, like yeah. this is a guy that you, I just don't think that you want to pay to put in your roster. So, uh, all those, you know, for many many reasons, I'm going to be staying away from Price. Uh, I think we could agree on that one. Yeah, I will point out because I'm sure people will uh, be interested and might make this mistake now. If it doesn't work out, or if it if it does work out, don't blame me. But in his last, I know, 500 innings, uh, David Price has given up two stolen bases, two in three years, two stolen bases. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't get he doesn't get run. On. I mean, he's a lefty man, he, and he's got a great pickoff move. So uh, people right. don't, people don't, people don't really run on lefties to begin with, especially ones like like Price who have. Who have good pickoff? He's he's very he's like hyper aware. If you watch him throw, like that's one thing about him. Oh yeah, he's hyper aware of every base runner, like every single time. He's, yeah, he's, he stares down second base when there's a runner. When there's yeah. a runner at second base, dude. He gives him the mean mug. Yeah, I remember being at a a, a Yankees game uh, when Price was on Detroit throwing against him, and uh, he, I think he threw over to first base four times like in a row, and the whole crowd just started booing him. They're just like, all right, throw the ball. <laughs> you know, he just like doesn't. He does not give like free passes on the on the bases. So. Um, definitely, definitely, yeah, don't, you're not looking for a stolen base upside here, uh, against David Price, but, uh, you know, we're dropping down in tiers now, it's kind of getting murky, I think there's one last guy I might have some interest in here, uh, and that's going to be Lamette, uh, throwing in San Diego, now, this kid has shown a ton of strikeout upside, uh, and I know that he's going against Detroit, and, and that's, like, one of the main things that people are going to use to stay away from him, and, and, you know, justifiably so, but, uh, this Detroit team, they hit a lot better against uh, lefties than they do against righties. They have almost a 100-point drop in ISO against righties here, 190 against righties, 286 against lefties. The Woba drops too, 435 against lefties, 319 against righties. And they strike out at almost a 22% clip against righties, so they do strike out around the league average against right-handed pitching. Now, Lamette... Uh, 38.5% strikeout rate against righties, which is insane. And, and it's not a fluke. This kid has been, I mean, 38.5 is obviously like an unsustainable rate, but like this kid has been striking out hitters throughout his whole career. I remember when he first came up for his first start this season and looking at his minor league numbers, and he's just, he's a strikeout pitcher. He just has a lot of good pitches, switches up speeds well, hits his spots. 
you know, he, he, he makes he makes hitters work. So 38.5% strikeout rate to righties and 29.4% uh, strikeout rate to lefties. But the only lefty you really have to worry about in this Detroit lineup would be Avila. Other than that, it's a bunch of righties. So, you know, 38.5% to righties. Walk rate's good. The only real concerning stat here against righties for me with uh, with Lemet uh, here would be the 45% fly ball rate. But what offsets that is the fact that this game is being played in Petco, which is one of the best pitcher parks in the league one of the most pitcher friendly environments so he gets a nice uh saving grace there you know for those fly balls uh those fly balls uh you know instead of home runs they end up staying in the yard and they're either like a double or they get caught for a fly ball so uh for an out so um so i actually have some interest in Lamette here against the tigers and I, uh, maybe i'm crazy for that but uh, i just i feel like he's not going to be uh very high owned i feel like he's he, you know he's super cheap on DraftKings. he makes he makes a lot of sense and uh, you know, over there for your second pitcher slot at 6,800 uh, on Fanduel, I'm not sure if I would have too much interest at 7,600 just for the fact that you only get to pick one pitcher. So, you know, kind of tightens things up a little bit. But I think on DraftKings, he definitely makes a case to be a, a, a you know, a pitcher in your second slot here. But uh, how about how about you, PML? How do you feel about Lamette here? Yeah, um, I would I would go ahead and now he's he will have a little bit of regression moving forward. Um, to probably a little bit closer to his minor league numbers, which were still very good. Um, but I would put a bet and say that I think that there is a pretty decent chance that um, at the end of this slate that Lamette will be the highest scoring pitcher on the slate. Um, so far, yes. I mean, so far this season, if we're just going by righties, because it is going to be substantially right-handed um, outside of one dangerous bat and Alex Avila, who bats from the left side, um, He's pretty much been the best strikeout pitcher in the league against righties. Um, and he is giving up a little bit of hard contact occasionally. Um, but otherwise, like he's just annihilating guys. He has a 30% swing strike on his slider. Um, now, if you know who Max Scherzer is, right? He's uh, one of the, yeah, he's one of the best pitchers in the entire league, right? Best pitchers in the league uh, has had the best slider against righties probably in the league since like 2014 his swinging strike on his slider against righties the best in the league right has been uh 27 and again lamette so far 30 percent this season so um i think he could absolutely wreck this detroit tigers lineup we saw it today with luis perdomo who uh i think gave up zero earned runs and, zero, and struck out shutout. yeah i had i had 60 percent of him tonight too so everything went well with me for that yeah yeah yeah, because I was going to play Lamette, but he, then they they moved him back to uh, to today. So I just said, okay, well, well, who's pitching in this spot? Okay, Perdomo, he's got the he's got yeah, draft a lot lower. Mispriced him. They mispriced him so bad tonight too, man. He was like fifty six hundred. Lamette, Lamette was six K. Was supposed to be like six K today or yesterday. What's he? What is he now? What's he today? Okay, yeah, that's still grossly underpriced because he has. I mean, what, what did he throw? Like twelve strikeouts last game. Yeah, I believe it was 12. Let me just double check. It was a lot. Yeah, 12 strikeouts last game. Yeah, and that and that had a, a couple more very dangerous lefties in it. And he can strike out lefties that, you know, that uh, he actually has a pretty nasty changeup. The only problem is, like, he can just completely miss with it, and it'll get slammed. So it has a, a, an above average, you know, 15% swinging strike, but so far is like has, like, a 500 ISO against it because he just misses bad sometimes and it gets hammered. Yeah, well, you know, he only had that one bad game, that one really bad game against Arizona, and you know that was in Arizona, um, you know, and 
His, yeah. his team was making a lot of errors. He gave two, two unearned runs, too, in that game. So he had to work extra hard and throw extra pitches, and he just was not able to find his groove there. And that's just something to point out. Uh, but every game except for that, he's had six or more strikeouts. And, um, you know, that's something. And it's super helpful that Austin Hedges came back uh, yesterday. He might not catch tomorrow, then I think about it. But uh, with Hedges catching, that's a, that's a huge upgrade. He's probably top three or four in uh, pitch framing. Uh, so just all the, the extra strikeouts, he calls a good game. He's a good defensive pitcher, has a great arm, not, not an elite arm, but you know, decent. Um, so that, that helps a lot too, but yeah, so pretty much just Alex Avila. Like if you really want a one-off, uh, from, from that game, like you could play him, he could like, he could get two home runs, right? Lamech could strike out 12, give up two earned runs and both of them will be to Avila. He'll tip his hat and he'll take his ten strikeouts and, and be on his way at six point eight k. Yeah, I mean, he still has a thirty percent strikeout rate against lefties. Like, it's not like he's any slapped against lefties, you know. Uh, he just gets hit a little bit harder against lefties. Um, a lot of bit harder. A lot of bit harder. Okay, we'll say a lot of bit <laughs> harder. Uh, all right, so so we went over. Uh, I think the most significant pitchers on the slate that I would have any interest in. Uh, what I'm going to do now, just save some time, I'm going to rattle off some names, and uh, if you think that we don't need to dive deeper in them, I'm just going to say no. Um, if if uh, if you feel like you know, I'm missing something and you want to point something out about them, you just go ahead and say it. But uh, uh, if like I said, if no interest, just say no. We'll move past them. Okay. We Do got pitchers. Pitchers. Yeah, I'm just gonna rattle off some names. Uh, the, yeah, okay. What we got left? Sorry. If you're not interested, you just say no. We'll move on to the next one. Uh, Sam Gaviglio. <laughs> no. Ben Lively. Uh, Ben Lively. Too many lefties have to pass. JC Ramirez. Only if Moreland or Benintendi are out of the lineup. If 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 literally if one of them is out of the lineup, I think that's just enough because he's been still uh, continued to be pretty dominant, and pretty spectacular against righties. But man, he's not striking any lefties out, and he's getting hit hard. Okay, uh, Anibal Sanchez. <laughs> Definitely not. And Lance Lynn. There's like zero chance of this, but if like if Polanco and Josh Bell are out of the lineup, uh, I would consider it because he's actually been pretty pretty darn good against uh, righties. But man, just just free rockets, free home runs to the lefties this season, like real bad. <laughs> and uh, last guy is uh, Tyler Chatwood. Uh, now I know that he's he's got great ground ball stuff and everything like that. He's in a good pitcher's park, but uh, you know, just there's no strikeout upside there. So I'm gonna stay away. How about you? Yeah, uh, I, I it's definitely he's a guy to keep an eye on uh, moving forward because he actually has significantly increased his strikeout upside, but only to righties. Uh, so last season, for example, he had you know uh, below average uh, for fantasy at least, and even you know real life pitching, he had great results in ground balls to righties with like an eight. To nine percent swinging strike rate, which is not good. We want over ten percent for fantasy purposes. This season, he's touching almost twelve percent to righties. Now that doesn't play here because he still has a fairly low sub ten percent to lefties, and this lineup is going to be predominantly uh, left-handed. But maybe, hey, let's hope that uh, Chatwood gets absolutely rocked here, and then next series is a road series against a team that's predominantly right-handed, and you can get them at low ownership. All right, sounds good. So we covered all the pitchers for you guys. Uh, with that, we're going to move on to the bats. Now, the way that we do it here on the Weekend Grind, 
uh, as we go by position. So what we're going to do is uh, I'm going to go by position here, and you're just going to name a couple of your top plays that you think that, uh, you know, we're going to be making their ways into your lineups here, okay? Uh, what position are we going to start with? We're going to so start with catcher. We always start with catcher. We're going we're gonna to work our way. Catcher, first base, second base, third base, shortstop, and then outfield. So uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll kick it off a catcher then. Um, and you look at who, who you want to um, point out, and, and uh, we'll go from there, okay? Sounds good. All right. Let's do it. All right, so uh, catcher, you know, what yeah. I like to do usually is just find someone cheap that correlates to the rest of my offense and my lineups. Try to find a cheap home run somewhere. You know, I, I try not to spend too high on catcher here just because, you know, it's one of the, the lowest upside positions. I know you, you mentioned Alex Avila against Lamette as a one-off. Don't hate that play. Uh, I don't think that's a bad play, but I think that – uh, Brian McCann is going to be one of my top plays here. Um, he's just been smashing right-handed hitting. I know it's not the best ballpark for hitters, but uh, you know the implied run total for Houston is up, and uh, I think that uh, you know it's a good spot to target Gaviglio here. Gaviglio has been a good ground ball pitcher, but um, <laughs> what are you laughing at over there? Sam Gaviglio. Sam Gaviglio. <laughs> Gaviglio has been, you know, uh, he's been he's been getting good ground balls, but uh, McCann, you know, just lots of pop in that bat, and I think that's someone that we could target here. Don't ha- don't hate Grandal here against Chatwood. Uh, again, it's a pitcher's park, but uh, you know, it's kind of we're kind of limited here on options on this slate since there's uh, such good pitching around. So uh, I wouldn't hate playing Grandal here. I think Grandal is a decent play. Uh, as we said, uh, Chatwood's improved against righties. You still target lefties against him. Grandal can hit from the left side of the plate. Hits righties well from the left side of the plate. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, outside of that, I think that, uh, I think that's probably as deep as I'm going to be going on catcher, uh, unless we get uh, Chris Herman in the lineup. If Chris Herman's in the lineup, I'll be looking at him as well. Uh, hits right. He's well, he, and he's uh, going to be in chase field and he has an affordable price tag. Lots of pop in that bat too. So a uh, good spot to target. There would be Chris Herman. So my top three here at catcher will be, uh, Herman, uh, Brian McCann and Grunzel. Uh, how about you, PML? Where are you looking at catcher on the slate? Yeah, this is one of the, the deepest catcher slates for a seven-game slate I've seen in a while. So I think I'll just cover guys that you did not uh, mention. Uh, Martin Maldonado has been absolutely smashing, uh, man, just the ever-loving out of lefties this season. And and it's it's kind of a career thing for him. He's pretty good against lefties. So uh, he's 2.2K. Uh, he actually won me a, a ton of money the other day with his uh, double dong. Uh, day with 50 FanDuel points. That was pretty awesome. Um, if you did want to do kind of that contrarian uh, Philly stack, there is a chance that they'll let Cameron Rupp catch back-to-back days because uh, uh, Nappy Boy, <laughs> Nappy Boy as I call him, Nap, uh, I think he hits a little bit better from the left side of the plate and Rupp uh, can, can smash a lefty pretty good. So, uh, again, I, I probably reserve that, like you said, to, to mix in with your offense. Um, so if you did that Philly stack, go ahead and throw Rupp in it if he's in the lineup. Uh, Avila, we've already covered uh, the reasons there. He absolutely been smashing everything from all righties, but he, he has shown pretty good proficiency at, at hitting the off speed as well. Um, in that same game, Austin Hedges has, you know, very surprisingly, he's kind of that guy that, Late in the day, you see something pop up on Twitter like, blah, 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 barrel alert. And you're like, oh, Austin Hedges again. Dude, I got to play that guy. Why am I not playing any hedges? <laughs> right. I need to start hedging my exposure. 
<laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. So other than that, I would also throw in, again, Cueto, uh, for whatever reason, has been kind of showing uh, that he is exploitable for, for whatever reason that, that uh, righty-righty change-up is not... Uh, I mean, it's working in terms of swings and misses, but when guys aren't missing, it's not turning into a ground ball. It's turning into a, a hard uh, fly ball. So if you did want to build a little mini stack there against Cueto, um, I wouldn't mind taking Darno and, you know, Darno Cespedes and, you know, maybe maybe one more guy or just two-man stack or even a one-off like in that arcade mode if uh, they're like very, very low priced. All right. Uh, so who would your, your top play be at catcher then? Uh, my top play kind of uh, point per dollar and uh, potential upside and kind of everything combined. Man, uh, Chris Herman's been hitting really awful. I think, surprisingly, I think I'd have to go with Austin Hedges because there's such a high chance that uh, Anibal Sanchez, uh, while he has had a little bit more strikeout stuff this season, he's still going to be uh, pretty exploitable, especially against righties, especially against righties that can really drill the ball. So uh, Hedges could easily get one home run against Anibal. Anibal gets pulled that Detroit Tigers bullpen has been uh, pretty uh, pretty uh, weak sauce. And yeah, so just for that reason alone, because I just because I think that there is uh, a higher possibility of him to get like a ninth inning home run. But uh, just on the matchup, I think maybe Maldonado uh, at that cheap because of the cheap price. Uh, but I do agree with you that that Grand Grandall is probably the safest most you know assured up yeah that's that's i like chris herman if he's in the lineup you know he has been hitting awful and uh i do like hedges yeah. as you mentioned but i think grandal is probably going to be my top play so with that we'll move on to first base um got some good good options here at first at carpenter who i think you could look at against garrett cole um i do like mitch moreland a lot against jc ramirez as we said he's been dominant against righties struggles against lefties so i think moreland is certainly in play on this slate uh you know, we got uh, Cody Bellinger, who's first base eligible over on DraftKings. Uh, uh, FanDuel, too, now. Only uh, first base eligible. Oh, okay. So there you go. Another day, another Bellinger dong, we say, right? So uh, definitely in play here against Tyler Chatwood. Um, you know, against, you know, improved against righties, still struggles against lefties. So definitely exploitable there. Um, you know, I'm just kind of, uh, after that, you know, it's kind of gets a little bit. Uh, a little bit murkier there, so uh, I think Will Myers is definitely in play too against Anibal Sanchez, as we said. You know, just the dude just gets hit so hard, man. Like you know, and it's not a, it's not a great hitting environment, you know, in Petco, but I still think we could target Myers here. So I think Myers is certainly in play. But my, uh, you know, and of course Paulie Goldschmidt. You know, the problem is just with the pitching, it's gonna be tough to get the cap there for Goldschmidt. If you can find a way to get Goldschmidt in your lineup. Definitely do it. I mean, he's one of the, you know, anytime we have a weak righty on the mound, you want to target the three guys on that Arizona team that hit righties real well, and that's going to be Goldschmidt, Peralta, and um, uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, Peralta, oh, Jake Lamb, and Jake Lamb. Those are the three guys you want to target against righties on the Arizona side against weak righties. So uh, so Goldschmidt certainly in play. Goldschmidt probably the top play uh, if, if salary cap was not a thing. But I think if we're gonna go, uh, if we're gonna go point per dollar, you, you have some cheaper options here, uh, such as uh, Mitch Moreland or 
uh, even Matt Carpenter, who's a bit cheaper. So I think we have some good options here. I think if you're, you know, to pay up, you got Goldschmidt. I think if you want to stay a little bit cheaper, you got some other options here too. So uh, how about you, PML? Yeah. So, uh, like, yeah, as you mentioned, a lot, lot of good options as there uh, normally is at first base. Um, maybe some guys that, that you, you didn't mention. Uh, Josh Bell, right? Usually pretty fairly priced. Uh, but underpriced for his upside, I'd say, uh, often can uh, uh, really, really, you know, smash the ball once he uh, he's got to get a hold of it first. You know, he's not the most consistent hitter, but he can definitely uh, go yard, especially, you know, even on the road. Even though this isn't the best ballpark, it's still better than PNC. And Lance Lynn has been absolutely uh, getting crushed by lefties. His swing strike to lefties is sub 10%. ISO nearing 250, the home run rate's out of control. Uh, Josh Bell is a great option either in a stack. Um, I try not to go too much with the one-offs at uh, first base, but sometimes that's the last position you click in uh, due to the other stacks that you're banking. And I think he'd be a fine addition um, as a one-off or maybe as a, as a predominantly lefty stack. Um, Fun fact in the Angels game, did you know that Albert Pujols, uh, in the history of baseball since, you know, 1986 or something like that, did you know Albert Pujols is like top five uh, all time in WOBA against lefties, but might be one of the worst uh, hitting first baseman in the league against left-handed pitching this year? That's so weird. And maybe weird. last year too. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really weird. It's a weird, yeah. weird set. You know the best all time is? Ryan Braun, all time. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yes. career career Woba uh, against lefties. He's number one. Uh, uh, CJ Crone, a guy. You, you would think that. Uh, side yeah. note, you think Nelson Cruz would be higher than that, but that's interesting. Uh, Nelson Cruz, I think, is top five in ISO, but not Woba. Not as much consistency, but when he when he hits it, it's you know it's a home run. I'm pretty sure his Woba's still over 400 against lefties in his career. No. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It, yeah. It, it's definitely high. It's yeah. just not top like four high. So right. I remember I I went to ch I went to check. That's why I checked originally was to see where Nelson Cruz was. Yeah, I mean because everyone just you know you plug in Nelson Cruz against. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, though. yeah. All right, you said um, CJ Cron. Yeah, when he first came in the league, like he was a guy that I think profiled well in college against left-handed pitching, but he was kind of struggling with it uh, initially. It looks like he's maybe figured it out. We'll see as the sample size grows, but he does have the raw power. Uh, you know, he could just launch one of the, the green monster of, of over the green monster of if David Price not locating those fastballs and he's super cheap and, you know, he could put two over. Like he's got that raw uh, upside and power. Um, other guys, uh, someone that he, I think his ownership finally spiked a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but it's back down. Uh, Yuli, uh, Yulieski Guriel, right for the Astros, uh, hits right. It's kind of interesting because he's always next to Bregman, and Guriel hits right handed pitching very well, and Bregman hits left handed pitching very well. So those are kind of my go to guys. Like it doesn't matter, right? Uh, it's one, they're going to be low owned, and if it's a righty, you can play uh, Yuli and uh, Sam Gaviglio, right? His mainstay is he's a sinker ball slider guy, which is why he gets those ground balls. But the problem is guys that can hit his like the sinker, you know, even decently well, uh, righties have been has been launching it, you know, high ISO, high Woba allowed um, on that pitch. I assume because, you know, you can't just throw sliders every pitch uh, and he's just kind of praying and hoping 
that he gets a nice ground ball. Uh, Yuli, uh, limited sample, but back-to-back seasons on, man, it can't be more than 20 at-bats. Insane numbers uh, against righty sinker balls. So definitely interesting. Maybe in a stack. Again, maybe in a one-off if you land on him. Um, Tommy Joseph crushes left-handed pitching, uh, but only only would want to use him in that stack, that Philly stack if you make it. And then I think Will Myers, a guy that does have some pop on his bat, a guy that last season uh, set a record, I think, for like offensive production inside of uh, at, uh, Petco. Like 75% of his offensive production, like extra base hits and stuff, was in Petco and Coors. Weird. Um, it was like yeah. polar so, opposites there. Yeah, and, and I think this Padres stack overall, and maybe we'll get to that. Um, you know, it, we already, we've already hit on two, right? Hedges and now Will Myers, potentially good plays, so... So he's starting to shape up to be an interesting full stack, maybe. Yeah, all right. That makes sense uh, for sure. So uh, so who would your top play at first base be then? Top play at first base on the whole slate? Um, yeah, it kind of depends on where I go with, with pitching and all sorts of stuff like that. I think my top, top play. Uh, point per dollar. Yeah, point per dollar. Um. Man, mine is gonna be Mitch. Will Moreland. Myers is really. I think Mitch Moreland. Oh, that's right, Mitch Moreland. I totally. Oh yeah, for sure, Mitch Moreland at, at sub three k in Fenway on a nice warm day in Fenway with mm-hmm. the wind blowing out against a pitcher who's given up, you know, too many home runs against lefties uh, at, at the Big Angels Park. Uh, yeah. Now Mitch Moreland's toe is broken, which is not great. His big toe. Yeah, he can hit so, the ball. It's fine. He, just, he doesn't yeah, have to run. I've been tr- he doesn't have to run too hard after he hits a home run. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's kind of like something I'm gonna monitor. I just want to see like moving uh, forward. What foot do you know what foot it's tapers on? Off. Do you know if it's on his? Is, is it on his? Uh, his front or? Yeah, his I don't know if it's back. Yeah, yeah, I, I, obviously. That makes if it's on his plant foot, difference. yeah, if it's on his planting foot, that's gonna be an issue. But uh, I mean, he, he said it wasn't too too big of a deal, and there's nothing that they can do about it. Yeah. So if it's his right foot, then we're in good shape. If it's the if it's the left foot, then that's that's an issue because yeah. he he's got to plant and pivot with that foot, you know, and that takes I mean, away, that takes away from the torque in his core rotation when he swings, which is gonna take away from, you know, the the, the pop that he's gonna have in his bat. So, um, you know, I actually found this quote from him right here. It uh, I think he said, yeah. So. All right. Yeah, I think it'd be good to go. All right. So, so Moreland, Moreland, we both agree is a top point per dollar first baseman as of right now in our research um, on the slate. Uh, let's move on to, to second base. Moving on over here. That's uh, not actually. You know, you don't want to go <laughs> second. Well, second's not that ugly. There's some options. We got some options. We got okay. we got Josh Harrison against Lancelin here. Uh, okay. Yeah, not a, not a good selling point to start at. Definitely, definitely not 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 too great of a spot for Josh Harrison. But uh, Chase Utley's not in a bad spot. I don't hate Chase Utley here, especially leading off against Tyler Chatwood. I think that's that's a uh, uh, you know he's he's in a good good spot here. Um, you know, going against Chatwood, who uh, we said improved against righty, struggling with lefties. So you know that's that's the the trend to follow. Uh, I think that Utley makes a fine play. He's three point one on DraftKings. He's nice and cheap, and um, on FanDuel, I believe he's cheap as well. Uh, let me just get that open real quick. Uh, yeah, over here on um, on FanDuel, you could get him for 2.4, so he's super cheap over there, too. Uh, I think that Outley's definitely in a good spot. Uh, I don't mind some Altuve, even though he's priced up. Uh, 
depending on how my roster construction is going, I'm probably not going to get too much Altuve in there. I don't mind some Brandon Jury or uh, or Descalso. Um, they've they've both been uh, playing. Descalso has been uh, leading off, so I you know he's a lefty going against Lively here at Chase Field, and super cheap. So uh, definitely like him here. Uh, second base eligible on DraftKings. Uh, is he is he a second or in the outfield on FanDuel? Uh, over there, uh, Descalso. Dis, 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 uh, second, oh, second base. base. Yeah, three Man, point. they priced him up. Yeah, see, okay, priced he's more expensive than Drury here. So I, I think I'd like Drury more on FanDuel just because you get the savings. But on DraftKings, uh, mm. he's – well, you disagree with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Ben Lively is uh, significantly better against righties. He has a, a really f- uh, funky release. Yeah, yeah but Drury uh, Jury is also significantly better against righties. Especially at home, look at, look at sure. Yeah, he's got reverse splits at like big time um, against. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, lively. Like, listen to this so far uh, against lefties. You know, uh, has a increased, you know, x wob at three seventy x wob. Meaning we're expect because he's actually been pretty decent against lefties this season, but he's not really striking them out. It's a limited sample, uh, and the 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 contact is kind of showing that he's going to get worse. Uh, but righties, even though he has been worse, the x wob there is. 300 which is you know starting to near elite levels and it's because and i don't know you you know you got the pitching knowledge he hides he hides his hand behind his elbow like when his elbow is coming up the way that he releases it you can't see his hand as a righty because it's dipped down below uh his elbow when he throws it um but as a lefty you can catch a kind of a glimpse of the ball from kind of the side a little bit um so he through the minors and and so on and so forth has, has been worse against lefties because he doesn't throw hard at all. Like, not I don't even know if he how if he even touches ninety. Um, so he really relies on that, uh, you know, that ability to hide the ball. Uh, now that won't that won't fake out Goldschmidt. Um, he's just too elite. He he'll stay back long enough and he'll be able to adjust quickly. Uh, but you know, Brandon Jury, possibly. Uh, yeah, I don't like that they priced up Del Scal, so though he was two point seven today. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, two. I believe he was under three K on DraftKings. Or he's in the low threes. I mean, he's three point six still on DraftKings, so he's still uh, workable over there. You know, um, that's to me. That's like, you know, if you could get a guy at Chase Field who's leading off at three point five on on, uh, on DraftKings. You get a guy that's leading off, you know, against against a, a not great pitcher in Chase Field, like for three point five. You know, he's he's also multi position eligible in DraftKings, which is great second base and outfield. So, uh, so it's a it's a good good place to target there. I do like him a lot more on DraftKings than I do on Fanduel. And then, uh, you know, I, I I have some interest in Perella here too. You know, you know he's he's uh, his price has picked up. The kid's been hitting the ball well. You know, stole two bases the other day. Uh, just you know, super quick, and um, going against Anibal Sanchez, he's gonna have plenty of opportunities. I think, uh, especially if he's in the, you know the leadoff spot, he's gonna have plenty of opportunities to get on base, to score, do some things. So, uh, definitely like Perella here. Uh, like I said, three point six on DraftKings is a very fair price. Um, over on FanDuel, he is three point one. Uh, you know, a bit more priced up there, but I definitely think he's still in play over there. So that's where I'll be looking at second base. How about you, PML? Um. I will also throw out since you, you uh, probably didn't didn't come up that way on DraftKings. Spangen, Spangenberg is also second base on FanDuel. He's uh, third base and outfield, I think, on DraftKings. Um, that always becomes an interesting dynamic there because Perella is you know more expensive, but has been producing more. But you know Spangenberg can do some stuff too. Um, 
but yeah, so going through the second base options, you pretty much covered them because there's not that, that many good ones. So uh, I will point out, though, something that I think goes overlooked quite often. Altuve has some of the most dramatic home road splits probably of any hitter ever, maybe, in the last <laughs> couple years. In that ever. he is one of the best. Well, I mean, he actually was. And I forget, but I forget what it was. It might have been batting average or something, something like that. It wasn't like, you know, our, our cool saber metric stats. But nonetheless, so last season at home, he had a 361 Woba, right, at home, which is pretty good, right? It's pretty damn high. Um, this season at home, 317. So, you know, a drop off. That's not great. Okay, now listen to this. Last year on the road, 419 Woba. That's significantly higher, right? Um, this season on the road, 462 Woba on the road. And it's not just necessarily some uh, sample size crazy thing because, you know, uh, with the Crawford boxes, the way that they're set up, it should actually be a park that plays more favorably right to right-handed power. Um, but uh, formerly last season with Tall's Hill out there, it should have played more favorably for him uh, to rocket it out to center, you know, and leg out uh, – that triple um but he mentioned something about uh, i think they changed the lights or something at the stadium uh two years ago something like that and i guess it hasn't played all that favorably for him so whatever it might be uh altuve is a guy that stands out um when he's on the road because he goes from just a very very good contact guy with some power to like elite contact with like nearing you know damn near elite power 246 iso on the road this season so, you know, kind of stands out, especially because we know uh, Gaviglio can definitely get hit up. Um, yeah, yeah, but they are they are in Seattle range. though, and that's a tough hitter's park. So we just gotta keep that in mind too. But um, yeah, guess we just hit a home run today in that park. Who? Altuve. Yeah, hit a home run today <laughs> in that park. That little guy's got a lot of power, man. It's crazy. Freaking nature of that yeah, kid. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Just, just, just knocked it straight out and just like <laughs> super, super stoked. Yeah, it was that late kick though. I don't know if you, if you, uh, if you looked into it, but last season he had a, a pretty significant late kick, and that was enough to finally get those warning track flyouts to go the extra couple feet. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's push-ups, sometimes it's leg kicks. You know, it depends what it is. But uh, <laughs> that's what we used to say in college. Uh, you know, if a guy hit, if a guy if a guy hit one to the Warren track on our team, we'd say do push ups. <laughs> you know, we always, we always yelled at him like we had a leadoff guy in our team who um, kid was real good. He's from Long Beach, this kid Mike, and like he was he was a tiny guy, but he just had a lot of pop in his bat. Um, he was great getting on base. He was quick. He could steal bases. So you know, he's in the leadoff spot. And then like something happened like halfway through one of our seasons, and he just like started like getting under the ball more and like we noticed something was off so like you know he's like yeah i'm just like i'm trying to trying to hit home runs and um but the problem was he just kept hitting it to the warning track every time like he was getting close but just not getting it over the fence you know uh which is not not ideal for a leadoff guy but uh they dropped him down to the sixth hole and he started doing a lot of weight training and all that got some muscle up and those started turning into home runs so you know sometimes you make a minor adjustment like that you know, it makes a big difference. He ended up hitting, uh, I think, uh, six or seven home runs in the last like 15 games of the season. So uh, you know, it, you know, it definitely makes yeah. a difference when you find that adjustment to get some extra power. So if, if Altuve found that adjustment, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, why he's doing that? That's, that same thing happened to uh, both Andrew McCutcheon and Lorenzo Cain uh, to start the season. They uh, they had way too high elevated launch angles, and 
too much too much of, of their stuff was just converting into these uh, really really high flyouts. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, I think, was actually leading the league in in uh, average launch angle, and uh, both of them have since corrected it, and uh, you know both are now hitting you know back to you know their their much more high upside offensive skill set uh, of the past. So. Very good, very good. All right, let's move on to the hot corner. Let's go on to third base. Uh, we got some some good options here at, at uh. At third base on this slate here, um, you know, obviously Jake Lamb is going to jump off the page here, going against Lively. He said we want to focus on those lefties in Chase Field, going against a weak righty who struggles against lefties. So Jake Lamb is going to be one of those guys uh, that we're going to be targeting. Obviously, just like Goldschmidt priced up, going to be tough to get him into your lives. But if you can, then uh, you should definitely do it <laughs> on this slate. Um, uh, outside of that, we have uh, we have some. Uh, Hmm. What what do we have here, PML? Uh, do we have yeah, much at third um, base? Yeah, yeah. We'll throw out um, uh, you know, small sample size alert here, but it's still fun to throw out because uh, uh, for for Rockies fans, at least, because usually when some usually when a Rockies doing well and like oh, 19 million home runs and sixteen thousand OPS, like people are like, ah, cores, boo, you know, <laughs> cores effect. Um, but this season, uh, Arenado's actually been better on the road. Uh, again, small sample size. That's definitely not going to remain the same. But it is fun to look at that currently on uh, the road, you know, away versus lefties. He's currently rocking a, a near 600 Woba and a 460 ISO. And, uh, you know, Kershaw's still been pretty elite against righties. Um, but because of how they priced him down on on FanDuel and just uh, his recent form and, you know, some potential concerns there. Uh, I am looking to at least make some kind of, I mean, think about it. Like how much does the top, you know, four guys of the Rocky stack usually cost combined? Probably like around you know, like 20,000. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, some, some dumb. Uh, so we can get them on FanDuel for, you know, 12 K. So I'm definitely considering it. I will not, probably not play him as a one-off unless I just happen to land on it um, because he is so cheap and it's like, man, who knows? Like he could still, you know, get a RBI double or something <laughs> later in the game. Um, but yeah, Ooh. you know, maybe I take that back. Maybe I will play him just because it's so bad. Uh, Justin Turner, right? One of the best, Justin Turner, one of the best righty righty uh, hitters in the league. So there's that. Uh man, if I have to play Unel Escobar, that's what I'm saying. Third base got really ugly once I once I started looking at it. Um, yeah, outside of Jake Fandle Lamb, thinks that Fanduel seems to and Lamb looks terrible, dude. He looks awful. I was what like the last couple games watching him bat, man. He just has no patience. He's just getting frustrated, I guess. So hopefully he can uh, shake that off. Yeah, yeah. He, he was, we've seen we've the seen stuff he was swinging. Yeah, I know. We we seen his uh his batting average drop a good amount here, so something's going on. Um, you know, I try not to yeah. use batting average Man. too much. I know it's twenty seventeen, but uh, you know, when a guy's batting average drops like thirty points, there's obviously something going on. You know that you should look at. So, um, and he is uh, he is striking out a lot more too. He struck out three times uh, a couple of games ago, which is like kind of out of character for him. But uh, yeah. 
Man, I might not play this slate on FanDuel. With, I mean, that third base, you can at least play like Spangenberg. Turner, man. Game. Turner's probably the only route to go, right? Yeah, yeah. Turner, you can play Spangenberg at third on DraftKings, which helps a little bit. Um, just because of the um, because of the pitcher handedness that's going tomorrow, a couple third base options that kind of pop up from time to time on on certain teams just aren't going to be available. Like Rutledge, uh, who got scratched today, probably won't play third. Uh, and DraftKings seems, or Fandle seems to think that uh, Boston has no third baseman <laughs> today. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, so let's just say we'll say Turner Man. and Jake Lamb will be the top guys in Spanchburg. Yeah, uh, on DraftKings. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, kind of a short, shallow position. You guys can shoot us questions over on Twitter. Uh, you know, if you're having trouble at third, and uh, we can let you know where we ended up landing. Um, or give you any advice if you're stuck anywhere there. So, uh, but let's move. Let's move on to shortstop here. Uh, to 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 look here now at shortstop. Uh, Corey Seager jumps off the page at me against Chatwood. I am liking these Dodgers bats. Uh, I think that they're in, they're in a decent spot. The lefties, you know, for the most part, outside Justin Turner, who he said has a good righty righty splits. Uh, Corey Seager is definitely in play here on the slate. Again, you know, you're not going to get him at any kind of discount. He's priced up so. Uh, Chris Owings, man, has hit righties really well this season. I know, like you said, Lively's been better against righties, but Owings has, has been hitting righties well too. He's shortstop and outfield eligible on um, on DraftKings, so definitely you know give a look over him again. Priced up, you know, at Chase Field, not going to get too much of a discount on him over there. And uh, Carlos Correa, uh, one of my favorite real life players to watch. The, the kid just he has got a lot of power. He's fast. He's just he's just such a he's a good all around ball player, but. Um, you know, probably going to be back and clean up here against Sam Gaviglio. Definitely in play. So I think Korea is definitely a guy to be looking at. Um, you know, there's just not much value at shortstop. And that's, I think, where we're going to have the issue with roster construction here is finding value. Unless you want to go, like, to Simmons, you know, for, you know, on the Angels here. But uh, doesn't, doesn't hit lefties all that well. Doesn't hit lefties. Exactly. I was just going to say, does he does not hit lefties well. So it's kind of a waste here in this, this uh, split matchup. But, uh, but yeah, so like it's like it's it's like Seager and uh, Korea, um, and uh, and Owings for me. Um, so I'm gonna have to just I guess find a way to get cap at shortstop. So that's where I'm at right now. How about you, PML? Where are you looking at shortstop here? Yeah, I definitely like the call on Chris Owings. Uh, I know uh, Pat Neshek pitched today uh, out of the bullpen for. Uh, uh, the Phillies, he's, you know, definitely one of their best and only, you know, really, really, really good reliever. Um, not sure if they're putting on, putting them, you know, they want to put him out there a little bit more as, because uh, uh, to drum up some trade bait for uh, Washington Nationals or what the deal with that. But uh, he definitely pitched today uh, and he's definitely one of their better righty arms. So uh, as the thinner that Phillies bullpen can get, you know, the bigger the upside um, where you don't necessarily have to worry about the, you know, the pitching matchup because, you know, Peralta and Lamb, you know, all these guys can hammer into him. And then Chris Owings gets a lucky, you know, RB double, you know, two RBI single and then Lively gets knocked out and then it's against the bullpen and, and you're home free. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it's definitely a weak, um, a weak shortstop position. If you wanted to do kind of a, a stack thing with all the lefties on Boston and you want to throw Xander Bogarts in there, don't hate you for doing that. Um. Uh, man, uh, <laughs> it's I, an I ugly like, spot. I, I don't know for sure. I feel like I 
feel like for some reason that Trevor Story has some BVP. Tre- uh, Trevor Story just hits lefties really well, like and so does Arenado. So like I, I get, I get it, but like it's Clayton, Kers- is- it's Clayton Kershaw in, in Dodger <laughs> Stadium, man. Like, yeah, you know, I, we're, I don't know. We're reaching, we're reaching hard at this point. Yeah, some of these numbers might be in course, but you know, he's uh, two two of six off Kershaw. You know, two doubles, whatever, and he's two point four K. So you could be crazier. I, yeah, I think uh, Carlos Correa, obviously the the top option. Um, and then if uh, Alan Cordoba is playing shortstop, I don't mind him. He actually does have a little bit of sneaky pop on the Padres. Uh, don't like if Eric Ibar were to be playing shortstop, but he played today, so I don't think he will be playing shortstop tomorrow. But that's definitely a guy that you could work in. Um, and at 2.1K, like you definitely don't need to, you don't have to stack um, uh, unless, you know, your CJ, dude, he just all the time, dude, all the time. You have to stack. Just all day, dude. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he, he wants to hammer in the fundamentals to people that are learning. Uh, these these guys sometimes get a little bit carried away, you know. Uh, ooh, I like this guy and that guy and that guy. It's like, come on, get your get some correlation plays together. Yeah, he needs a correlate, you know? right? It's definitely important. Yeah. Uh, I we uh, Travis and I stress that on the weekend grind here all the time. Just find that correlation plays, you know. Um, yeah, you know. And it's, if you if you if you don't want to stack, play arcade, right? On draft, right, games. right. Your- that makes sense. Um, so. So who would your top shortstop be then out of this bunch, this ugly bunch? Yeah, yeah no, it's definitely. I definitely think uh, you know, for GPPs, I think you'd uh, want to go with uh, Correa, um, and then I think uh, you know, in a cash game, I'd go Seager and Owings in your D back stack for sure as uh, kind of your top options. Uh, segueing through, uh, the, you know, the, talking about stacks here and correlation. Um, one thing I always stress is. Uh, you know, outfielder correlation here is like it's it's super important. You have you have a, a position where you have three slots. Like this is your bread and butter now to correlate everything else you have in your lineup. You know, like you you now have like you know I always work on my outfielders last, and um and if I work on them first, then I use that as correlation. You know, while building the rest of my spots. Um, you know, obviously you're, you're gonna look at Peralta, you're gonna look at Blanco, you're gonna look at. Uh, Chris Herman was outfield eligible on DraftKings, right. you know, like Fuentes, Fuentes uh, right. All these guys come into all these lefties in Arizona come into play now with the stack. The problem is they're all super expensive. So you're really not going to be able to do too much with them there. Um, you know, an outfield, you know, an outfielder combo here that pops out to me is these, these Padres, uh, you know, these Padres outfielders, you know, Cordero and uh, Caroba and, uh, you know, Spangeberg is, is, is outfielder el- eligible on DraftKings, yeah. Renfro, like all these guys in the heart of the order that I feel eligible, super cheap. Um, I think that they make fine correlation plays here, especially if you're going to be playing like a Hedges or Spanjberg at third on DraftKings um, or, or uh, uh, Perella. You know, like these guys make sense here. So I think that if you're going to play San Diego, you know, you don't want to be picking, cherry picking one offs from the Padres, you know, you're, you're, you know, especially with, uh, you know, their kind of lack of, of real a legitimate power upside here. I think that, you know, they're going to string together hits to get runs and, you know, you could get a good part of that. So I think, you know, you do have to kind of stack if you're going to play the Padres. Uh, I don't think that um, Springer or Reddick are bad plays I mean, against Gaviglio. I think they're, they're both, you know, great plays. And so is Beltron here. Uh, the issue is just, you know, the price. The price is just, it's going to be hard to fit them in with their prices here. Um, 
again, Joe, you know, Cody Bellinger, outfielders, well on DraftKings, definitely look at him. Jock Peterson as well. Let me you know, look at those lefties on the Dodgers. I think they make fine correlation plays to whatever Dodgers you have in your lineup. Uh, definitely keep an eye on them. And uh, we'll look at the Red Sox too. Uh, the Red Sox, we have uh, Ben and Teddy. Uh, you know, we said that we liked him a lot. I think that he makes a fine correlation play to like Mitch Moreland here. Or uh, Bogarts, if you're going to you know, make a full stack here, you can fill it in there and even maybe plug in a Jackie Bradley. Uh, you want to really focus on these lefties here against JC. Uh, I don't mind Mookie Betts. He's just he's super expensive. So uh, I probably wouldn't really find a way to get cap in there unless I was going to make a full Red Sox stack. Um, so I probably won't have too much Mookie Betts here. But I think that, um, that Benintendi and Jackie Bradley definitely uh, come into play here to, to correlate with a Moreland and, and a Bogarts if you're going that route. Um and I also don't hate the the combo of Frazier and Polanco here um, on Pittsburgh going against Lance Lynn, who we know has his struggles against lefties. So I think that Frazier and Polanco are definitely in play, and I think playing them together is absolutely a, a good little correlation play if you want to go that route too with the Pirates. Um, uh, you know, not too too much interest here in the Cardinals outfielders and like Fowler if he plays or or Piscotti. Or fam, I think that um, I think there's better places we can go on this slate. So uh, I think it just comes down to, like I said, correlation and, and what cap you're going to have. It depends on how much cap you have here to make things work. But uh, that's where I'm standing on outfield right now. PML, how are you looking at outfield here? Yeah, uh, chose the wrong time to to be like, yes, you know, contiguous stacking and all that stuff on one of the worst uh, outfield slates, at least in, in stackability. Um, so this is just kind of a great opportunity to to work on your ability to kind of uh, look at teams real quick and, and start to get used to what kind of players they have, what kind of teams they are, if they're heavy infield, if they're heavy outfield, or if they're mixed, so that you can uh, on the fly make really, really good you know, mixed stacks. So what I like to do a lot of times is I start with like a first baseman that I really like, and then I also identify teams uh, that I don't necessarily need a first baseman. So I don't know. For, so for example, if you're doing uh, Dodgers, right, you're probably, at least on FanDuel, you're going to want to get in Bellinger, right? And you think about Bellinger and you're like, okay, I'm going to slot him in at first. And once you get used to the team, you'll be like, ah, oh, you know, they, they kind of have guys all over the place, but their, their main guys are going to be Seager and Bellinger, Right. And then you're like, okay, it's it's kind of a it can be a very infield heavy stack. You go Grandall, Bellinger, Utley, Turner, Seeger. You you fill your entire infield, um, and then you can stack somebody that's more outfield heavy, like a Phillies. If you wanted to go Adabel Herrera, Howie Kendrick, Aaron out there, um, you know something like that. Now on this slate, you're probably gonna you know you're probably gonna want to mix it up a little bit. You can do something like a Altuve, Correa, you know, Altuve, Correa, McCann, Beltron, and you leave your first base um, open, even though we said we like Yuli, uh, 